0: So, um, it's, it's been an interesting weekend, um, interesting weekend for sure. So, um, we're going to talk about Matthew 14, we're, we're in the process of going through Matthew right now, and we are at um, chapter 14, so if you'd turn there, but we're going we're gonna to come about it a different way this morning. So, <clears throat> I was super intrigued this week. Um, thinking through who John the Baptist was, and kind of to the point of even what he wore and what it said about um, his like his his claim to be this prophet, this for this like this mouthpiece of the Messiah is coming, and kind of in the Old Testament, in, even to the point of him wearing uh, the belt he wore and wearing camel 's hair and things like that um, are kind of this it 's a lot more than we think of him just kind of being crazy or being odd. It's him purposefully accepting the mantle of something, right? So there's all this stuff I wanted to kind of talk about um, and talk through because the passage we're talking about is about his death today. Um, But then um, we had movie night last night at our house, so I I didn't look at news or anything, kind of shut down my phone and all that stuff. And then this morning, like 4 in the morning, just started reading about the events of the weekend about this um, um, the shooter in Buffalo that goes to um, a different part of town and um, senselessly murders 10 people. And I was reading a lot about um, the, the victims and who their lives were, who they were to their community and who they were to their families. And, you know... Um, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, this hate, this like scourge of white supremacy, this ignorance of it, this stupid evil thing, um, and then the hate that it produces feels daunting to me. It feels so, um, it's, like, <clears throat> it's like there's constant gasoline on that fire it feels like to me this morning, and it, and it just seems more, insidious, more. To, I don't have the right words to say how disgusting it seems, and, but then, yet, what it's doing all the time, and what it's able to do constantly, and the injustice that it perpetuates, because, because oh, they, they, they're celebrating, oh, we've caught this person, we caught this kid, this child, caught him, Isn't that great, he's going to be tried to the full extent, of law. there's no justice in that, though. People's lives are gone. They're not coming back. So the, the justice in that is, is even distasteful. It's, it's, it's unfulfilling. It's, it can't quench the thirst needed of justice. And we look around and we just need it everywhere. And it's, it's like it's here and not here. Or, or to, even sometimes too far to grasp. Like we can't have it. And it's discouraging to me. <clears throat> um, it's discouraging. Um, it's, here, here's the thing. Here's what I'm asking myself. And then I, I want us to read this passage and talk about it in light of, of these things, even. And switch it all up. But I wonder this morning from 4.30 on how much I abhor hate, really. Like, how much do I hate hatred? And is it just distasteful to me? Is it just something I want at arm's length of my own life? Is it just something that I'm trying not to perpetuate? Or do I like? Can I not stand that it exists enough to love more powerfully than it? Because I don't think we hate hatred, really. It just embarrasses us, or it makes us sad, or it's far away, or it's not towards you or it's something in the past. And I don't think we send our bodies and our mouths and ourselves against it. And we're we're looking at this passage in justice here, just the same. And and they couldn't do anything about it. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna read it. <clears throat> it's the first verse of 14. It says, the time of Herod the Tetrarch, heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist, he has been raised from the dead, that is why the miraculous powers are at work in him. And then it says why he thinks that, why, why that would even come to his brain, right? And it says, for Herod has seized, had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is unlawful, You to have her. And though he wanted him to to be put to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. So here's what happens. Um, You have other Jewish writers and historians at the time, the main one being Josephus, writes about this same thing that happened in the day, okay? Um, Herod has a brother, and his brother's wife is very beautiful, and he wants to have her as his own wife. So they actually go on a diplomatic trip together for some reason. And this is, again, not in scriptures, another like, uh, historical literature at the same time. So goes on a trip, a diplomatic trip with her, and they, they have this affair, and then he says, you know what, I need you as my wife, I'm already married, and you're already married to my brother, but you leave your brother, I'm going to leave my wife, which actually caused a huge diplomatic problem for the Jews, because he was married to someone, he was married to another king or clan's daughter, and it ended up bringing them to war in later years and killing many people because he wants his brother's wife. And so in doing this, it's more than just, it's adultery, you shouldn't do this. John the Baptist likely knows the consequences that will happen to many people, citizens, innocent Jews, because Herod and this woman have this affair, okay? So it's, again, bigger than just, oh, there's a divorce in my family and I'm remarrying. It's it's more than that. It's more than we can talk about in however many minutes. But John the Baptist says, hey, this shouldn't be. You you should not do this. And he preaches in the streets of war will come upon us. Calamity will come upon us if you do this. And it's going to come on you. You'll be judged for this. You need baptism, the repentance of sins. You need this. And it makes Herod hate him, right? Someone speaks for the good of the people to power. And power does what power can do and wants to silence John the Baptist, right? It's not just... Because John the Baptist is teaching about Jesus. John the Baptist is trying to say bad things will happen to the people you are supposed to lead unless you do something. You don't understand the system you're creating, perpetuating, is going to kill a bunch of people. Please, don't do this. Think about others around you. Herod says, no. Think about others around me. I'll have what I want. This is what I want. So he puts him in prison. There can be nothing done about it. John the Baptist won't have justice with this. Even to the point of he's rotting in a cell, and remember we talked about this weeks ago, he sends his disciples and says, Jesus, please tell me you really are the one. Please tell me. All of this, you will carry the mantle of proclaiming freedom. Please tell me it's you. And do you remember what Jesus says back to him? What does Jesus say back? Anyone? Anyone? Right? That's a prophecy from Isaiah, right? You know what the real sad part is? Do you know what Jesus left out of that prophecy? Proclaiming freedom to the captives, to John the Baptist. Whether he knows, John the Baptist knows the rest of it and will say it for him, or maybe he's telling him, there, there won't be freedom for you. Leaves that out of the prophecy. This, this familiar passage leaves it out. So rotting in this cell, This is what happens. And then further, the story keeps going. It says, um, but when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias, his new wife's daughter, danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she says this, give me the head of John the Baptist here at the party on a platter. <clears throat> and the king was sorry. But because of the oaths and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came, took the body, buried it, and then went and talked with Jesus about it. So we have this ridiculous scene of his new wife's daughter dancing for everyone, to, to please everyone. He's so pleased by this and so taken by this that he offers whatever she wants other pastors to say, up to half the kingdom. What a a foolish, stupid thing to say at your party, no matter what, anyway. And then the, the daughter goes to her mother and says, what should I ask for? And she says, we want John the Baptist's head. That's what we want. We want him killed. So at the party, they bring it to the delight of everyone. Again, people in power and the injustice that it causes, right? Um, and what are the disciples to do about it other than gather up this maimed person they love, this, this person that was bringing hope to people, this person teaching goodness, teaching love is coming, teaching there's, there's going to be more than this, right? R- repentance is coming. You can be made right with God. It's coming. It's here, it's happening in the midst. And then at this fancy party, he's killed to the humor of everyone, right? And, you know, this story is, is, we don't think about the loss of just John the Baptist. We think of it as like this martyrdom and this powerful thing, right? And it, it undoubtedly is powerful that, that he spoke against injustice. He spoke the forgiveness of sins. He proclaims that the Messiah is coming, and they don't know what the Messiah really is yet, but it's going to blow their mind. It's going to be this amazing, different thing than they ever dreamed. The Messiah is coming, right? And we think, oh, that's such an impressive thing for him to hold to that and be martyred and things. And, but there's people that loved him that had to come gather him up. And there's, there's people that wondered after this, well, maybe this was God's judgment on John. Maybe he wasn't right. Maybe this isn't the way. Maybe this disperses some followers, just like it always did in Rome when there would be a zealot or there would be some teacher and they would just kill, the, the power would win, kill them and the, the followers would flee, right? And that's, that's how it happens. That's even what they say about Jesus, right? They say, oh, don't worry. If, if we take care of it, his followers will be dispersed. Let's just do that. And I think about... How much, though, that his followers, they go and they join Jesus, they go with Jesus. How much his followers, how much Jesus, hated injustice and abhorred hate, right? That's not a stretch for this passage. It's not a stretch for how Jesus treats everyone he comes in contact with. How he speaks at the temple when they're abusing people in the name of religion when they're stealing from them, right? Hates it. When people use religion to gain power, right? The Pharisees, they sound the trumpets. Oh, I'm giving to the poor now. Look at me. Look how beautiful I am. Oh, see me, I'm fasting. Look at my sad face. I am so religious. More power, more power, more eyes on them, more eyes on them. And Jesus says, if that's what you want, you can have that. There's something better though. And hated those systems and hate and what religion had done to these people that in the face of it, he just loved aggressively back. Just with all of his self. And I, I wonder that. And, and today, again, I'm just real caught with this weekend and I wonder how much I hate what happened at a grocery store in Buffalo, really. Does it, does it cause me to, like, love so aggressively those around me that my actions and my being with a person drives out whatever hate could, could be festered? Do, do, I, do I hate that so badly that I try to build bridges in my neighborhood rather than spend time with other 38-year-old white construction workers like do i do i really does it really disgust me that people's deaths are a joke at a dinner party because they still are they still are people's people's death are at some parties do i do i really abhor that do i do i try to build bridges with churches that don't look like us, that congregations are a different color or a different style or a different makeup than than our small one. And I, I don't know that I hate, hate enough to do those things. And I really dislike that. And I don't know um, I don't know how to (laughs) teach a good thing to come out of that passage either, to be honest with you. We could skip on down and there's about to be Jesus giving a bunch of people fish sandwiches and it's great, it's a happy story. It's really nice. But this one's not. And again, we come back to what we say all the time here is that Jesus criticizes the people of Jerusalem by saying to them, You don't know when to dance and when to mourn. Too often you just skirt over this sad time and you don't sing the dirge with those who need it. You just move right along to the party and you skip over this deep time of mourning that needs to happen in order to move us to fix something or to do differently. And then when it is time to dance and celebrate, we, we mourn instead. We don't know. The t- our timing is wrong. We don't feel the community around us. We don't engage in it as it's happening. We don't know when to sing, and we don't know when to cry, Jesus says to them. And it's, it's the same for us. We don't know when to just look at ourselves and say, we are perpetuators of this by not loving violently back, recklessly. We're just not interested in it. It's too hard and it takes planning and sacrifice. And then we might say awkward things in the, in the lunch area at work and we might be distasteful to some because that's all we care about is just this, this justice part. And it's just too much for some people. And so we, we back away from it and we're polite at the right time and we say it when it sounds good and we are against something when everyone else is against it and we just live in echo chambers of fake love all the time. And I don't know what shakes us out of that other than maybe be still and behold him like we just sang. Maybe being honest with ourselves as we take communion in a minute and say God really this is who we are. This is we I don't hate hate like I should. I I want to. I I want to love in in the face of it, but I don't. I can't. Whatever it is for you, whatever it is for me this morning, we need to look at it right in the face. So let's try to do that together. Um, I'm going to pray, and then Holly is going to come and lead communion. Communion. God, we say these things to you hoping to be honest with you. Hoping to really repent. Hoping to really feel something for the love. We hope to be people who repair the breach and restore the streets. But instead, I think we're too comfortable walking On streets, we know. Sticking to the bridges that get us from point A to point B. Please heal us. Please. Families of these people affected by hate. I pray that they know your presence all the more. You say that when suffering comes into our life, that your comfort can come overflow. I pray that it would somehow, that it would through your people, that it would through the love from their families, from their community, from strangers. God, we ask that our lives, our love would displace hate. In Jesus' name.